0: What is up everyone i'm ryan from fireside Knicks with my friend and co-host dylan backer and in today's video we are doing the report card series with the center position now obviously not there, there's not the same amount of like players to talk about with wings or guards uh so you know it's gonna be a little bit of a shorter one but you know there's still th- these three guys were still pretty integral for what the Knicks did all season you know you, and your ability to establish interior dominance is Really, it depends, and it's predicated on um, your center position. But with that being said, you know, you know, the Knicks' their starter this season was Mitchell Robinson. He's been the starter for a while. He's one of the longest-tenured Knicks, if I'm not mistaken, on this roster. Um, You know, and he turned in another pretty solid season. You know, obviously there was that stretch where he got hurt. Um, and that's kind of always been the Mitchell Robinson experience. You know, good when healthy, but you know, that when healthy is a large asterisk. Um, you know, I feel like he's one of the most interesting players, not just in this video, but like out of all the players we've gotten to grade so far, he's one of the most interesting players to grade because the highs with which Robinson like when he came back from injury right um the team just became so much better in the interior but you also realize that there are a lot of offensive limitations with Mitch. He can't space the floor. That's obviously a big one. Um, he's not, you know, going to go out there and, and, you know, drop 20 points a game. That's not what Mitch does. Um, obviously a liability at the free throw line. Um, but, in, but he, and you're going to talk about this with the offensive rebounding, you know, there are things he does extremely well. There are things he does extremely poorly. But I think overall, it was a positive season for Mitchell Robinson. You know, what grade did you give Mitchell Robinson this season? And, you know, how, how would you summarize his year?
1: Right. So, you know, you look at Mitchell Robinson and you don't think really like a best center in the league type guy. We all know that. But, you know, for the Knicks, he's a good he's been good for us. You know, obviously, like you said, there's the floor spacing stuff that you want to worry about and stuff like that. But for what it's worth, Mitch is still a productive big man. And for that, I gave him a B kind of B plus range, more like a B. And the reason I gave him more like a B is because like, you know, there were times where he would struggle defensively. And, you know, of course, the offensive limitations would hurt the offense. But What gave me extra points for him was just the offensive rebounding specifically. I mean, the guy led the league in offensive rebounds per game at 4.5. He was really, really effective at that. He was easily the best offensive rebound in the NBA. You know, big reason why the Knicks were able to be one of the league leaders in second chance points you know that was a huge thing right there because you know this Knicks offense wasn't necessarily good you know we know that even with how good Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle were as a team they were not a very good offense but Mitchell Robinson's contributions you know on the offensive glass were huge and a big reason why we're able to get those second chance points and be a little bit better offensively even if you know even if we weren't very good offensively as it was. So I think like a B, B-plus is fair. You know, a very good shot blocker, as we all know, but sometimes, you know, he would get that those bad feet, struggle to guard, you know, uh. Sp- floor spacing bigs and he would get into foul trouble those are things that he can clean up though in the offseason those are things he can work on you know with his coaches his trainers and all that stuff which I'm hoping he does in the offseason because sometimes he'll post those videos of him shooting threes and I don't want him shooting threes obviously but that's just you know just a little joke right there but you know jokes aside just um you know, really pr- positive season for Mitch. This was his first season on the contract extension. You know, four years, sixty million. I think they signed in the off season, and they got good value out of it. I think they did. You know, he was very impactful, big for what it was worth. And you know, I just think it was a good season for him. I don't think it was anything like, oh my God, this is amazing. He's the best center in the planet. No, of course not. But you know. I do think they did need him more than they didn't need him. You know, like you said, when he was hurt, you felt his presence. Well, not there. You felt the just that interior force of, that he is. You know, seven foot two, big guy, good shot blocking, good rebounding. Like I said, you felt it not there. Then when he came back, you felt it right away. All the rebounds that you were missing out on, all those block shots. You know, all those second chance opportunities, and you know, in the playoffs too. You know, he played against Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. That is not an easy task whatsoever. And he dominated them, quite frankly. He dominated them on the glass, especially. You know, I mean, he's the type of guy where his box score is not exactly an alarming thing. But if you watch the game and see how he impacts it, then it's huge. You know, you'll you'll notice how how good of a center he actually is. Yes, his fit on the Knicks is, you know, a little weird, you know, cuz like you said the floor spacing thing. You have to, you have a bunch of guys that specialize in scoring inside and Mitch is a primarily inside player, of course. He almost never is a perimeter guy, so, you know, of course that's going to affect the floor spacing. It's not exactly Mitch's fault. That's just kind of roster construction. You know, that's, those are things, that's why you know you have off-seasons and why you try to improve the roster and try to improve also these players' skill sets. But with that being said, just aside from all that, really positive season for Mitch. I think a B, B-plus is fair. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And, you know, one of the big things you mentioned with the offensive rebounding, you know, I was not aware of this until, um, you know, I did some you know research for this episode. When he was on the court, the Knicks had a 121.8 offensive rating. When, if, when he was off the court, it was 116.4. Um, you know, that's that offensive rebounding. It mattered, right? It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, that's an arbitrary stat leading the league in offensive rebounds. No, 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 no. Those second chance points matter, right? And as you mentioned, this Knicks offense, not that they're bad. They're just not very efficient, right? You know, and and it reflects in like true shooting percentage and three-point percentage. They got more efficient when they acquired Josh Hart. They got more efficient when they were healthy. Um, But on the season, they were not a very efficient offense. Uh, We saw that in the postseason get exposed a little bit. They just weren't a very efficient offense. Um, That's something they're going to look to uh, improve over the offseason um but mitch's ability to just establish that interior presence that cav series you know again he made i mean he made jared allen go to the public and say the, the lights were brighter than i expected he babied that man um you know when you're matched up against allen and mobley and you know not that julius randall is the worst defensive player in the world but julius randall as your four and your other like bigger presence in the lineup is it necessarily going to help you very much against those two? He basically had to out—he had to outplay them really on his own. It felt like two-on-one with those two on the court. And Mitchell Robinson was able to just baby them, right? He was more physically imposing. He was tougher. He's a little meaner, right? Um, I think, you know, obviously on social media, a little bit of an oddball. Um, but honestly, I kind of like it. It's a little bit funny that he was born on April 1st. I feel like that just kind of lines up with who he is as a person, Um but, you know, with that being said, I feel like I, – so I give him a B plus. I, I thought he had a strong enough season. I know the injury situation wasn't great. But I felt like because of that Cavs series, I had to bump him up from a B to a B B+. Um, you know, is there a good argument for a B? Yes, especially when you have injuries. Like, obviously, you can't control that. But not being able to play games is something that hurts your team. And, and it asks your team to have to have depth. The Knicks always need to have a competent backup big. Um, and that's because Mitchell Robinson's always a liability to get hurt. Um, and you know, that's part of it. You know, that's part of the downsides. Every player has their ups and their downs. Every player has their uh, pluses and their minuses. And that's just one of Mitch's. Um, and I, I think it's actually kind of a really good way to segue into our backup big situation. And that's with Isaiah Hardenstein. Now, if you asked us in like December, what is our grade on Isaiah Hardenstein? I think D, D minus, he might've gotten the worst grade out of anyone in, in the video. Right. Um, but I mean, it's like he turned a new leaf. I remember it was the Keith medic made a comment um you know to the to the media where he's like you know i have to be better something along those lines where you know he was critical of himself in his play and then he completely turns it around right the knicks lose mitchell robinson you're like oh my god we're gonna have to start isaiah hardenstein we are screwed um and again context guys the knicks were not well above 500 they were hovering above 500 kind of you know a fringe playoff team maybe they'll make the play in um you know and Lo and behold, Isaiah Hardenstein, new year, new him. He stopped trying to shoot as many threes. The shot the shot just wasn't falling for him. Focusing more on, you know, establishing an interior presence. And I thought he did an admirable job as a Knicks backup center. And considering where the Knicks have been at with guys like New Noel, who, not saying Noel was horrific, but Noel was definitely an inconsistent big, you know, the butterhands, just injury situations in general. Hardenstein was an iron man for the Knicks. If you needed him to play, he was ready to play. No matter how many minutes you needed him to play, he was tough. He was resilient. I felt like he was, you know, not to the same extent of Josh Hart because Josh Hart, you know, I think had a larger impact, obviously, but that same kind of like gritty, like this guy would have played on the 90s Knicks type nature to him. I really liked what Isaiah Hardenstein brought to the table. You mentioned this before the episode, he's a young player. You know, how did you feel about Hardenstein's role on the team? And I understand, you know, grades are relative, guys. So if we give him, you know, whatever grade we give him, it's not saying that, you know, he's on the same level as like a Josh Hart or a Mitchell Robinson, but it's for his role and for what he did. I thought he was as good as you could ask for. What did you think about Isaiah Hartenstein this year?
1: Right. So, you know, like you said, I mean, Hartenstein turned everything around pretty much when the calendar year started. You know, I have a stat here. Since January 1st, he averaged 6.6 rebounds, 4.5 points, 1.6 assists. I know you read those stats and you go, oh, that's that's not a whole lot. For a backup center, you love that. 6.6 rebounds out of your backup big? That's awesome. You know, I I would take that every time. I know he started some games here and there, but you know, still like that's that's amazing for quite frankly for a guy who's a backup and only in his like third or fourth NBA season. You know, this was a positive development year for Hartenstein, I think you know he had a long term, withstanding role as the backup center. He wasn't like falling in and out of the rotation like he was in previous years in the league and with the other teams he was on. You know, so. For all that, I, I gave him like a B- and that's an overall season grade because, you know, like we said, from October to December, it was rough for him. It was rough. Things were not looking good. It was He was kind of a cone defensively. He wasn't really getting rebounds. A lot of things just weren't going right for him. You know, and obviously when Mitch was hurt, you had to rely on Jericho Sims more, who is a third string center, which we'll get it, which we'll talk about Sims right after we talk about Hartenstein. But, you know. With that being said, just, you know, like you said, he made that comment, and then he turned things around, and then just, like, he became, like, a really good backup center kind of night and day. I mean, you know, he he was really consistent, too. It wasn't like, you know, he just had a few good games and then just kind of leveled off. No, he continued to do what he was supposed to do he continued to play much better defense he was hustling getting good rebounds he like you said he was gritty he was playing physical he wasn't afraid to you know fight for those rebounds he 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 turned it up a big time he turned it up huge and I am really happy with that which is why I gave him a much higher grade than I would have if we were doing this rating back in December because if this was a October to December rating like you said this probably would have been like in the D's in the D kind of range because it was rough for him but you know, I'm really happy with what he did. This was, like I said, definitely a positive development year for him. You know, this was his first real, like, you know, with the Clippers, he played really well, but I think this was, you know, a big breakout type year for him in a way because he really kind of showed what he's really capable of and kind of established himself as, you know, a very, very solid backup center and probably one of the better backup bigs in the league now at this point. You know, even in the playoffs, he continued to, uh, do what he was doing, you know, since January. You know, the hustles, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds. You know, getting blocks. You know, he his defense really leveled up when he uh after he made that comment, he really started to play better defense, and I'm really happy with that. You know, obviously he wasn't perfect by any means, no, but for what it was worth, you you got the guy as a backup, and you signed him for pretty cheap. And like you said, we were we had like Nerlens Noel last year who was inconsistent, almost never on the floor. You know. had Taj Gibson play backup center you know I love Taj Gibson so I'm not gonna rag on Taj Gibson but you know he was the backup center and I mean that's not really the options you want you want a younger backup big you want a guy who's a little more athletic that's what they got out of Hartenstein and Quite frankly, I was really happy with it. You know, he closed some games sometimes, too. Hartenstein, I'm referring to here. He closed some games. That's how impactful he was. You know, he wasn't always getting into foul trouble. He was doing pretty good at limiting that. You know, he was good at, you know, just walling up that that, uh, that interior and not letting those easy shots fall, you know, making it tough for opponents. I was really happy with what he did. You know, he's for a backup big, I was pleased with it. What do you think about all that?
0: Yeah, no, I think you put it perfectly. Like, it was just, he was just exactly what the Knicks needed. Considering that, as you mentioned too, with, with, um, you know, Norland's as well, it was a matter of not being available at times, especially when you already have Mitchell Robinson, who's an injury threat you need to have a reliable backup big and we're going to talk about sims in a second you know and and that's still something we want to cover but you know taj gibson i'm glad you dropped him we we talked about this before the episode we were going to name drop him we needed to name drop taj gibson his threes were uh they hit different um but you know not having to go to your third string center you know because your backup big is out is huge and as you mentioned isaiah harness ability to close games you know the knicks you know weirdly enough they were again 108.2 offensive rating with him off the court 110.2 with him on the court so uh plus Uh, He was a a plus offensively in terms of just plus minus. Obviously, that's not a perfect number. Um, But with that being said, you just want your backup big to number one, positively impact the game. But, you know, or you could say even number two, positively impact the game. Number one is just stay healthy, right? Just be available. Be there. You're a backup for a reason. You're there to, you know, help the team if the starter goes down. And that's exactly what he was able to do. I felt like he really evolved into his role, and he's young, as you mentioned. He, he just turned 25. Like, this is a guy right. who's not an old player at And, like, at all. you
1: know, too, I just want to add, too, you know, the fact that he was one of the few players in the league that played all 82 games. There is a small handful of players that did that, and Isaiah Hartenstein was one of them. You know, just like you said, the availability, you know, the, the impactful play, of course, is awesome, but just the availability is huge, especially out of your backup. That is huge. And the fact that he was able to play all 82, not even get hurt or anything like that, and battle through any sort of ailments he might have been battling through that we don't know about. You know, I applaud that. I respect that a lot. I just wanted to add that a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, I remember that one game where he gets, like, cut in the arm, and you just see them, like, patch it up on the sideline, and he's right back in the game right I don't know if you remember he's like bleeding out his arm and I'm sensitive to the blood so like I was like I'm like, oh that's not good um and I mean he's just a tough dude right you know and I'm not saying Mitch isn't tough I think you have to be tough in order to do what he did in that Cavs series um but having two guys who I feel like are tough the way they're tough speaks volumes to this team speaks volumes to how their coach speaks volumes to who they are as players and I think the Knicks we're noticing a pattern here I think there is a pattern with the front office I do think that they care a little bit at least about character I think these are the type of things they scout for um you know not saying that they'll go all right are you tough or not and then it's like yes or no and then that's how they sign you but I do think that you know to play for a Tom Thibodeau team you have to have a little bit of edge to you um you know Randall I know that you know people chalk it up to just being an angry dude but like he has edge to him right and I think that's why there is a lot of love from Tom Thibodeau for Julius Randall you know uh you know and Hardenstein's a guy he's just tough he's always available he's just reliable right he's just all reliable i think that's the best way to put it so i gave him a b on the season it's hard for me to give him i don't want to give him a b plus because you know robinson's the starter right robinson played well in his starter role so i'm just gonna settle for a b for hardenstein but it's a good b it's like a, a better b not like a bad b at all um but with that being said you know the last guy and i don't think we, there's as much to talk about sims because there wasn't as much of a need for sims this year um yes there was a stretch where he was the backup big but it wasn't too long of a stretch sims kind of it felt like he took a step back from last year i thought after his first season like you know what the knicks might have something here there was a legitimate argument to be made that he could have been the backup big that the knicks maybe didn't have to sign hardenstein um and at, you know when Hardenstein was struggling there were talks okay you trade Hardenstein, and just make sims the backup big but you know this year was kind of weird for him whether it was inconsistent playing time whether it was just you know struggles i felt like he wasn't the same i felt like he wasn't the same defensive threat I feel like it just was not a great year for Sims. So, you know, what did you think about Sims' season? Do you think it's like an aberration? Like, what do you think is next for Jericho Sims?
1: Right, so, I mean, Sims had a weird season, like you said. I mean, like, it wasn't anything crazy. I mean, he's a third-string center, so, you know, you don't want to go too hard on the guy. He hasn't had a lot of time to develop in the NBA. He's only gotten so much playing time. But, you know, for what it was worth, I mean, like you said, he did feel like he kind of took a step back just a smidge. I mean, his defense was down. You know, I mean, offensively, not a whole lot. And, I mean, they tried a Sims-Hartenstein front court once, and that was the worst thing I had ever watched on a basketball court in a long time. So I'm glad they abandoned that. But, you know, they did try it, and it was horrific. And that's not Sims's fault. That's, you know, again, that's a roster construction issue. But, you know, obviously Sims' limited offensive game is a big factor into why he doesn't play a whole lot. You know, if I'm going to give him a grade for the season, it's going to be like, C minus D plus range. It's not a high grade. You know, I don't have a set grade on this one just because he didn't play a whole lot. You know, I give him extra points for just, you know, availability. He was available almost every time and he was able to come into games, start some times and, you know, be the backup big when especially when Mitchell Robinson was down, so I applaud that, you know, he was able to do all that stuff, and he was able to, you know, just, like I said, be available, and, you know, he was in the dunk contest this year, and uh, he did that awkward 50 thing, I don't know why he chose to do that, I mean, I still think that's kind of, that was kind of awkward, it just was... Pretty weird, pretty weird for him to do that. I mean, Sims is kind of a interesting guy as it as it is. Not saying he's awkward, but you know he's a pretty quiet dude. You don't really see much out of Sims, kind of emotionless dude. So it was just even funnier. That was probably the the highlight of the season for Jericho Sims. Unfortunately, for a guy who didn't play a whole lot. Yes, it's unfortunate. That's how that's what everyone remembers him for this season. But. You know, if you look at it from a basketball standpoint, you know, high flying dunker. You know, doesn't do is limited offensively. He can be good defensively. You know, but I think there were still some things he needs to tweak on a bit. You know, he you know shuffling the feet wasn't really guarding good perimeter bigs that well. I mean, you know, third string big. Like I said, you can't expect too much out of him. You you know, he needs more time to develop. That's just a fact. He didn't. He hasn't played a whole lot in the NBA. Pretty sure combined in these last two seasons, he's played less than a full season. So. He's still got time to develop. He's young. I'm not going to be too hard on the guy. But, you know, if we're giving him a season grade, it's going to be like, you know, a D-plus type grade. It's not a high grade. It's just I think that's fair. What do you think?
0: Yeah, and, you know, this kind of, like, plays into the fact that the center position is kind of weird for Knicks in the sense of, like, I feel like at the wing spot like you have a guy like quinn and grimes you're like okay next year could be a big year for him um even at the guard spot like you could make a reasonable argument that like miles mcbride can take a step forward next year if he figures out his three-point shot right um for for the center position doesn't really feel like sims fits into the long-term plans he's only like a couple of months older than isaiah hardenstein i believe he's 20 he's like 24 and a half and hardenstein just turned 25 so you know are you is it not like a situation where like hardenstein's older than sims and you're like all right you know maybe sims becomes the success To Hardenstein, I think you just keep Hardenstein. It's not like he's going to cost very much when you have to re up that contract or you just draft another backup big. Um, you know, and he doesn't space the floor, so it's like it's like a modern type big situation, right? That's not what this is, so it just feels like an overall like a weird fit. I don't, I, I think I agree with you in the sense it just it doesn't feel like he has much of a future here. It doesn't feel like it's fair to grade him very harshly because of the fact he's not going to play very much. Um, but I do agree. I think the grade range of like C minus D plus is fair, um, and I think that's kind of like the best way to put it. I don't really have much more to add on with Jericho Sims, but um, I guess kind of like my last thought here last question here you know going forward you know do you feel good with the center position because right now i feel like the center position you kind of like leave it how it is and i'd feel really good with it like what do you you think there are any tweaks they're gonna make the center position or are you just good with running it back next year there Right, so center position's
1: a little weird because like you said, you know, they could run it back again next year with, you know, Mitch and Mitch and Hartenstein. And I'd be content with it. I'm not gonna be like upset about that. But I feel like in the off season, they will at least attempt to look to maybe find a a big that can space the floor a little bit more, whether it is as the backup or a starter. I feel like they're gonna be more aggressive for a starting center, and you know, that might be unfortunate for Mitch, but it could just be a reality, you know. I'm not saying that's not a knock on Mitch. Mitch is a great player for what what it's worth. It's just a matter of the fit on the team. You know, like we've talked about before, the floor spacing, it was a massive issue in the postseason. And it's not all attributed to Mitch, but it's part of it. You know, if we're saying that he had no part in the floor spacing issue at all, then you're just wrong. You have three guys that specialize in scoring inside, being Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson, who is a lob threat, really offensively and that's about it right so when you have that you have four guys that you know pretty much are their best scoring ability is inside and then just one shooter that's not going to make good spacing at all that is not going to create some any good spacing whatsoever and you know quite frankly the Knicks were haunted by that in the postseason you know we saw the spacing was at times horrific you know they were, couldn't get any good looks whatsoever again not all Mitch's fault not at all not all Hartenstein's fault no, it's not all their fault. It's roster construction, and I think at some point they may need to consider, you know, looking for bigs that can floor space a little bit just to kind of just kind of fit them into today's modern NBA. You know, in today's modern NBA, most teams are kind of straying away from that traditional big and, you know, relying on their bigs to not only score more, but also shoot a little bit, whether it's mid-range or three points, whatever it may be. They're looking for them to score a little bit. You know, Mitchell Robinson's play style is obviously a little more old school. You know, he's the inside guy, the lob threat who gets a lot of block shots and all that, plays hard defense. You love that. You know, that's an impactful player. But at the same time, does his, you know, is he like the long-term answer I don't know, and I'm not saying that that's like, you know, a knock on Mitch again, but, you know, I don't know. We don't know what it what it could be. You know, there's clearly some sort of issue in that interior offensively. Defensively, it's awesome. You know, I like that. Offensively, it's an, it's an issue, though, and it does have to be addressed if the Knicks really want to, like, take this team to the next level. Those are kind of my thoughts on it. What do you think?
0: You know, I think spacing is just kind of like one of those things where the Knicks could do better in general. But getting a big who can space would change a lot for this team. Like you look at this team in a different lens almost. It's 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 not like I don't want to like oversell. Like I don't want to like make it like the Knicks are would be like a finals contender with just some random center who can space. But um, a random center who could space would certainly change how the offense plays. Um, And and could also change, you know, just a lot going forward. Obviously, Big Who Can Space is something every team could kind of use, with the exception of, like, you know, 76ers or whatever it may be. Um, And obviously, 76ers are a little bit of turmoil, so that's obviously going to spur some rumors. But um, with that being said, you know, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up, right? You know, I think the center position overall, net positive. The Knicks got enough from there, but um, I don't think it's – I don't think it was – I think it was more of a floor raiser than a ceiling raiser for this team, if anything, um, not saying that's a bad thing, but that's kind of what the position felt like. Um, if there are any changes, it's not going to come in the draft and it's not going to come with like some random dude. It'll have to be like a substantial guy in order for them to make an upgrade. But we'll keep our eyes uh, focused on that. We'll, we'll definitely talk about different options, uh, you know, as the offseason carries on. There's definitely one guy we want to talk about, uh, not in a positive way. Um, but with that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate you guys' continued support. Um, if you guys like what we do, make sure you guys like, comment, and subscribe. Check out our Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and of course, this YouTube page, the version Version of this podcast is on apple podcast or on spotify and of course you guys can check out our personal twitter accounts check out empire sports media for all your new york sports content we have great articles out there all the time and we'll see you guys in the next video peace out